Well, we've been spending our time together in the past couple months of this uh, quarantine studying what really, matter, really matters. We, we've talked about the importance of faith over fear. We did that the first week of focusing on Jesus and on his good news. We talked about that last week. And then uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, we talked about holding fast to him and, and to each other for all that we require in life. These are the things that really matter. Uh, today, we, we add another pursuit to our list of what really matters most. Because uh, today, I, I want to talk to us about the importance of having joy in life. I was going to hold up a, a nice bottle of joy, the dishwashing uh, liquid, but I couldn't find one. There, there was joy nowhere. Um, but I will tell you this, joy gets a ton of play in our Bible. It, it's a word uh, often used uh, in both of our testaments. It, it's, a, it's a constant theme of our songs. I think one of my first memories of church and the use of the word joy comes from this old chorus that I was taught when I was just a really little kid in Sunday school. Anybody remember it? I got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Where? Down in my heart. Where? And yeah, we just had this whole series of motions. It went through other verses. I got the love of Jesus, I think, was one of them. One of the verses that we sang in my church was, if the devil doesn't like it, he can sit on a tack. I don't know where that came from. I've never found that in the Bible, uh, tack sitting. But uh, yeah, it was a fun song. It talked to me about joy. I, I didn't know what I was singing about, um, but uh, I love to sing that song. Uh, lots of songs are about joy. I remember as I got older in high school and college and We'd go off to campfires with the groups I was a part of them. Uh, we had this joy that was um, basically ripped word for word from Psalm 51. David, in this psalm, writes uh, 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 of his lament in the aftermath, aftermath of his adulterous affair uh, with a girl named Bathsheba. Um, in this psalm, he repents and seeks forgiveness. And, and he pens these words, see if you remember it. Create in me a clean heart, O God and renew a right spirit within me. Now, that song ended with verse 12 of Psalm 51. It says in that verse, restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Now in this line, David alludes to the loss of his joy and his choice uh, to sin, to sin with Bathsheba, and he begs God, to not only restore his joy, but also to enable him to persist in that joy moving forward. That's what that whole uphold me part is about. So David is saying, hey, God, keep me from sin and keep me in the joy that you give and that only you give when you save a wretch like me. Now, every culture from the beginning of time has taken words and adopted them as their own and, and used them to mean what they wanted. And so, uh, this is certainly true uh, where, where it comes to joy. Where I, where I find in this culture, people most often equate joy with the, the feeling or the emotion of happiness. They, they see those two words as synonymous with each other. But my question is this, are they? Are they really the same? Spoiler alert, they aren't. So some of you might be wondering, well, then what's the difference between being happy and, and having joy? Well, well, joy is often related... Uh, rightly so, at least in some cases, to, to what we call the, the feelings of gladness and happiness. But, but it goes way beyond these ideas. It's not limited to those two things. The Bible's clear in, in teaching us that joy is, is much, much more. It's a, it's a state of being, actually, one not to be confined or defined by any single emotion. Now, I like to think of it in this way, that, that happiness, as we think of happiness, it, it is an emotion. 
And, it, and it's an emotion that we typically feel and exhibit when, when we're pleased with our outcomes and our environments. Like uh, this past week, uh, I had the foresight to um, buy Eleanor some flowers on my way home from work. And uh, I think I saw on her face true happiness at uh, the receiving of this gift. Uh, I think that's what it was. I'm pretty sure. Um, uh, but, but I feel happy when, when I walk into our kitchen uh, after seeing the dishes piled up at night uh, and then finding them gone and, and, and realizing that my daughter Kai is actually on her own chosen to just clean up for no other reason than to uh, just, you know, be a contributing member of our uh, home. Um, that makes me happy. Do it again, Kai. Um, I also feel happy, maybe you do too, when, when people take the time to, to just love on you. This past week, a, a good friend of mine uh, texted me and he started, you ever got one of those texts that starts with, you don't have to text me back. <laughs> Uh, but after he said that phrase, you don't have to text me back. He, he just went on to say, man, I just really appreciate you as a friend and as a pastor. Uh, he was just so gracious. And, and I don't know if you've been in those situations. I can't help but smile. I feel happy. Happiness is this emotion uh, that comes to us uh, when good things happen. Um, but like I said, there's a difference between happiness and joy. Because the Bible depicts joy as, as more than this mere emotion of happiness or gladness. In fact, uh, many of you know this already, but for those who don't, let me, let me make it clear. Joy is, is, is not an emotion. It's a conviction. Uh, it's a conviction that we choose apart from and even sometimes despite our emotions. So, so here's the deal. Joy can describe, describe the state of being of those feeling peace or frustration, those feeling happy or sad. Joy finds its roots on the inside. It's a conviction, like I said, of, of one's heart and soul rather than uh, finding its, its base in the external results of our circumstances. Let me put it another way. Joy describes what I am and where I'm at, not just how I feel. If I'm in Christ, Joy is a key part of the recipe that is me. You're like, recipe? Let, let me describe what I mean. If you ever have read uh, Galatians chapter 5, you know that that's where the fruit of the Spirit are found. Um, and in, in the whole of Galatians 5, you'll see that it contains not just the list of the fruit, but other lists, or all, at least one other list. Um, uh, and and <laughs> in the first list, it's a, it's a list or a recipe of the old life the life that we had before we trusted Christ. The second list is the fruit. It's the list of the things that we have now that we are in Christ. And so probably many of you know it, but let me just read you, uh, starting in verse 22 of Galatians chapter five, it says the fruit of the spirit, and here's the recipe. The recipe of the Christ life is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those nine things are the ingredients that comprise us if we are in Christ. They are what we are if we are in him. So in a sense, I guess we could be basing this whole series of what really matters on these nine ingredients that we find here in the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5. And then we could just call it a day, but we're not doing that. Because today we're turning to the text that we started a couple weeks ago when Travis taught us here in 1 Peter chapter 1. But I will say this, we are going to focus in on this, this one thing that we're talking about that really matters in life. We're going to talk about joy, and just like we've been reading about here in Galatians. Because guys, 
Ladies, moms, dads, kids, you need to know this. Joy really matters. Look what it says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6. He says, in all this, you greatly rejoice. Rejoice being a word that comes from the root of joy. In all this, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. Now let's kind of break down some of these phrases here. In all this, as we kind of start here in the middle of a passage, in all this, it, it, that refers back to what we learned last week in verses 3 through 5. Um, all of this is the good news. That's also what really matters in life. This good news that we have through our faith in Jesus Christ. This good news that contains within it a new life, a living hope, God's protection like a wall over us. Um, all of these things come standard in the Christ life. And uh, this is cause, wait for it, here in verse 6, for great rejoicing, for joy. Look at it again. It says in verse 6, in all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. Rejoice, Pete says, even though you are suffering grief, suffering grief in all kinds of trials. Um, I'm sure these trials that Pete references here uh, are no doubt linked to the persecution that his, his readers, his original readers, are experiencing in the first century as they receive his letter. Uh, if you want to go back with me to verse 1, um, you can do that in your own Bibles and just see that Peter is writing to uh, some believers who hail from a region called Asia Minor, uh, a vast area north of modern-day Turkey. Uh, he refers to this group as exiles, exiles in the world that they live in because of their faith in Jesus. So these remote congregations that Peter is having this letter circulate to are dispersed in settlements far too far from each other to be of any mutual support church-wise. Um, so these early Christ followers have only the others in their churches to rely on for support. So there's no internet full of multiple preachers to listen to, like on YouTube. There's no Christian bookstore stocked with books to read. There's no Christian radio or television. There's no nothing except them, their faith, and the other people in their church. Talk about an an any existence. Theirs is truly a hard knock life. Oh, it's, that's really bad too. For sure as, for sure as they experience persecution um, uh, from all sides, they, they, it comes to them through everyone in their culture because no one at this time uh, accepts the, the Christian belief and faith. Yet here in verse six, Peter tells them that what they have in Christ is so great, so amazing, uh, that it could, should cause them to live in a constant state of joy. That, that's what he means when he says that they should greatly rejoice. It's like big rejoicing. I love that word rejoice. When we say it, we're, we are basically saying have joy and then have it again and then again and then again, et cetera, et cetera, over and over without end. It's a command to have constant and consistent joys, joy with, without pause or dip. It's a joy, repeat, joy, repeat imperative. Kind of like a record with a scratch on it. I remember those days. Anybody remember having records? Uh, I grew up in my house. That was like uh, the worst thing that could happen to an LP or a 45 is when uh, inadvertently you as a kid would be jumping around your living room. You'd bump the stereo and the needle would just go, make that horrible noise. And then for the rest of time, Karen Carpenter uh, would, you know, it skip at the point where she's singing it only just begin, begun or something like that. <laughs> but I think that is an apt 
understanding of what it means to rejoice. It's joy, joy, joy. That's me skipping on a record. And this joy, this rejoicing that Peter commands, it's an imperative. It's meant to be on lock in every circumstance that we face in life. So when things go well and we feel happy, joy. When things go bad and we feel horrible, joy. When things go meh and we feel nothing, joy. Joy is who we are. It's what we are given in Christ to bring to every moment of our existence with him. Now, if this is true, and it is, it begs an important question. Is your life, is my life, this record skipping at the right place? Are we stuck on joy? Or have we skipped off to other grooves? Things like fear and distrust, things like uh, um, pain and misery. Uh, Am I doing as the the Paul, uh, Paul, doing as Paul the Apostle commanded me to do when he wrote to the Philippians church, Philippian church in chapter four. This is what he says, you know it, I know it. Say it with me. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Man, I'd like to say yes to that question that that my record is skipping in the right place, that I am living uh, a rejoicing life, able to claim that in all things I find joy, but that is so much easier said than done, in my experience. Uh, or maybe easier believed than done. Mo- most Christians would acknowledge, if you put them to the, to the test, shine a hot light on them or something like that, that uh, the joy is our distinct privilege and the overriding expectation of the Christ life. That there's nothing really new there. But, but man, having joy when the bottom drops out, man, that's a harder card to play. The hard stuff, it, it can knock the joy right out of us. Can it? I mean, it, it, I liken it to landing wrong and losing your wind. You ever done that? I, I did that once on a trip to Jamaica. I was playing soccer with a bunch of high school kids that I took on a missions trip there. And, and we were playing on a wet field. It rains often in Jamaica. And so it had just rained that morning. And I was the goalie. I went to make a goalie kick. I, I swung mightily with my right leg to kick the ball as far as I could. I missed the ball. My left leg, my plant leg left the ground. I went horizontal and landed just flat on my back. And when I did so, I knocked every ounce of air out of my lungs. Now, were I not the one who had experienced this, I would have been laughing with the rest of the people present. I would have been just you know, pointing a finger and, and having a grand old time. But I was the one on the ground. And so while around me, everybody was having the best time, I felt like I was dying. <laughs> have you been there? In life, I know I have. The whole world seems to be laughing around you, but you, man, it feels like you may never breathe again. Um, that's how it can feel when trials come our way. Trials can leave us feeling like we are dying inside, like, like joy is, is miles from where we are and, and shouldn't be expected to show up anytime soon. I mean, we could just take even these last two months of quarantine as, as kind of an example for us. For, for some of us, let's be honest, recent days haven't really represented much of a departure from our norm. Maybe we're working at home, uh, but, but many of us uh, listening to me now have been blessed to continue to go to work each day. And, and apart from the inconveniences caused by a world that's been shut down, we've been mostly just fine. But there's others listening to me now uh, where this particular part of history has brought more stress and disappointment than they've ever known in life before now. 
I'm, I'm currently preaching into the living rooms of families whose cupboards are near bare. Families who aren't sure if their jobs will be there when this is all over. Families who are having to ask for help for the first time ever. Uh, for these, this period in our history has been a scary, empty, joyless time where they feel like they, they can't quite catch their breath. So let me pause in my preach here for just a second and remind us to continue to lift each other up in prayer. Would you do that? And to be a help to each other, wherever we can be, doing for one or for some what we would do for all if we were given the opportunity and the means to do so. But as we return to our regularly scheduled sermon, I want us to note this. As Peter writes to this audience of exiles, to a people facing far greater trouble than most of us will ever know in this life, his hope for, nay, his, his command to them is singular and clear. Walk through your struggles with joy. Struggle rejoicing. Read verse six with me one more time. In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. Did everybody see where this time as that verse appeared, I highlighted the time notation contained in that verse? I did that for a reason because uh, we're going to spend the rest of our time together walking through some of the keys that Peter gives for living a joy-filled life. And, and he starts here in verse six by pointing to the, the temporal nature of troubles. In essence, he tells us to rejoice in knowing that struggles can and do end. Christ followers can rejoice in the fact that, that most trials are just temporary things. Sometimes they don't feel like that when we're going through them, but... Um, they, they come to an end. Peter says as much when he, when he notes that the, the grief and suffering of his readers have, uh, that the, his readers have faced has, has been for a little while. In saying so, he's inferring that trouble is on a clock. Almost always, uh, trouble arrives, it, it teaches us, and then eventually in God's timing and by his grace, it goes away. Now, this is crucial for those of us who follow Christ to understand, because what it does is it affords us that living hope we talked about last week as, as a trial rages around us. We can live with the hope that this too shall pass, as my mom likes to say. Sometimes in life, certainly, the rain comes, but eventually all storms stop. So I can, I can re rejoice in the fact that, that my trials, uh, most of them come to an end. When, when I'm patient and persevering in them, when I'm looking past the painful parts, uh, that seem to be insurmountable. I, I can often see the good that will come as a result of the storm I'm in. But even if I can't, my mandate is joy. Perhaps God will give me that perspective later in life. Anybody got that hindsight is 2020 thing? Uh, when you, you have no idea what, what, you know, what, what good you know, this thing that you went through was, was for as you were going through it. it, maybe even took you three years, five years, 10 years to be like, oh, that's why. But regardless of if we know now or if we know in the future or if we never know, God's command for us is to live in joy. It's what really matters. Um, I trust you'll join with me in being grateful to God our Father uh, for um, 
strengthening Jesus in his choice to focus on the good that would come through his suffering on the cross as, as he depicts here in Hebrews chapter 12. And for the second part of verse two there, uh, he says, for the joy set before him, for, for the joy set before Jesus, Jesus endured the cross, scorning its shame, uh, only so that he might sit down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. As we go through our hurts and hurdles, let's consider the path our Savior took for the sake of his joy, which was wrapped up in our salvation. But when we do, uh, we will better keep from growing weary and losing heart. And we'll be able to look past the difficulties uh, of our present to the payoff that awaits us on the other side. Uh, I've had the privilege to go several times uh, across the seas uh, to be able to minister in, in places like Africa and Russia and, and uh, India. And, and as part of that, um, to be able to protect you from the diseases that await you there, uh, you have to get shots. Now, I'm not a particularly huge fan of shots. I, I would be troubled to find out if you were. But uh, um, here's what I know about shots. I can handle whatever pain the needle brings for the payoff uh, that the uh, vaccine will provide. In fact, even as we go through this period of uh, coronavirus, if they ever come up with a vaccine, I trust they will, um, I, I, I'm guessing most of us will be in line to get that shot and, and suffer the pain because our hope will be uh, for the protection that the vaccine can bring. It's the same thing when we go through any trial. Let's suffer the pain, understanding that God appoints it, allows it, uh, that he's in control of it, that he's gonna teach us through it, uh, and that eventually, when it's over, um, uh, he will make much of it to glorify his name and to give us his best in life. So let's rejoice in knowing that most of our troubles are temporary. They can and do end. But let's also be glad that Peter doesn't stop there. He goes on to remind us of other reasons to rejoice in when trouble comes. Uh, namely, that God is going to use our troubles to prove our faith and to produce glory for us and for himself. We're going to look at those one at a time. First, let's talk about the first one. Rejoice in knowing that our struggles prove our faith. Look at what it says in verse 7. These, referring to trials, have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. In this verse, Pete informs us that the trials are God's means of revealing what we really believe. And then he elevates the value of this faith that God is proving over even the purest, uh, purest of golds, um, gold that is refined by fire, as it mentions there, because get this, in the end, what it says is that gold perishes with the rest of what's in this world, but our faith, which is of far more value then the purest of golds goes on forever. Uh, we'll get to the resort portion, result portion of this verse in just a few minutes, but, but I mean, I just wanna tackle the proving nature of the hard stuff that we face in life. Um, everybody understand stress tests and the usefulness of stress tests? Like wh whether you're on a treadmill in your doctor's office or, or, or you're kinda doing some furtive steps onto a suspicious structure to see if it'll hold you, Checking for strength is a regular and necessary part of life. I think we can all agree to that. So, it's, it, so it is that the trials are like a stress test for our faith. 
They, they can show us where we're weak so that we might ultimately receive strength from God in this life for the places where we need it most. I put a barn door into my house a couple weeks ago and uh, I drove to Home Depot to pick it up after ordering it online. And, and I don't know where it was in the process that I, I remembered that I don't own a truck anymore. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I said, you know what, I'm going to take my Honda Accord down there and just see if I can strap this thing to a Honda and, and, and get it home. Um, I, I thought my back seats would fold down. Uh, they don't, just so you know. And so uh, I had about a third of the door inside my trunk and two-thirds of the door hanging outside my trunk. I don't know if you ever, you know, tugged on a barn door. They weigh... I don't know, 100, 150 pounds. It, it, was, it was quite a deal. I was wondering if I was going to have to borrow a truck, but uh, the, the fine gentleman that was assisting me at Home Depot said, I got rope. And, and so it was that we began to tie this thing in ways that I can't even begin to explain to you. It went through my back seat and wrapped around the edges of this. And, and here's what we would do. Like I just talked to you. We would give it a stress test. We would... We would say, all right, is this going to make it down 60 to my house? We would, we would push on the door, and wherever we sensed that there was a, a looseness or a, or a, or a weakness, um, we would just add more rope. I cut lots of string off of that door, but I am here to tell you, we got it home safe, no accidents. So it is that we can rejoice in our trials. God uses them to show us where we need more rope so that he can make us better at following Christ can't really preach a sermon about joy and trials without mentioning what the book of James famously says about both. It says in James chapter 1 verse 2, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. God is going to use the, the, the trials that we face for our, face for our good. Uh, from James, we learn this. When, when we face trials in faith instead of fear, standing firm in the midst of hard things and rejoicing in the God who has allowed them, <laughs> we are the recipients of a great reward, which St. Kelly of Clarkson put in a song for him when she wrote these lines. What doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Stand a little taller. Doesn't mean I'm lonely when I'm alone. What doesn't kill you makes a fighter. Footsteps even lighter. Doesn't mean I'm over because you're gone now. Okay, confessions. That was kind of dorky there. And I was only kidding as I quoted a, a pop song about a breakup. But, but Kelly really wasn't that far off because here's the deal. God uses the hard stuff that he sends our way to make us stronger, better fighters in a spiritual sense. More nimble in navigating the next trials that will inevitably arrive in our lives. So let's rejoice and the simple fact that trials are purposed by God for our good. He allows them for a time as a means of proving and then deepening and strengthening our faith. But now we get to the big payoff of joy and trials. Understand this, own this, believe this. We need to rejoice in knowing that perseverance in trials pays off in the end. That's where uh, Peter takes us next in verse 7. It says, these have come, these trials have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Man, how great is that news? In the end, all that we face in this life will seem like nothing compared with the blessings of the life to come. When time is no more, 
We will stand before Jesus and there receive a, dust, a double blessing. He, he will honor us for our perseverance in this life, and then we in turn will be honored to honor him as we cast our crowns that he's given us. Honor him for, for making our perseverance possible. I love what the other Bible writers write about this, this idea. Paul wrote about this future day of blessing in his first letter to the Corinthians when he says this, or it's a second letter, my bad. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16, it says, so we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. I love this next phrase. Look what he says. For this light momentary affliction, uh, I can assure you that the trials and troubles that Paul faced were neither light nor momentary. But he calls them his light and momentary afflictions. Um, he calls them that because in comparison to what awaits him, they are. His trouble is eminently doable based on what he uh, hopes in for his future. Th this light momentary affliction, he says, is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. He doesn't even have the words. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the, get this. For the things that are seen are transient. They don't last. But the things that are unseen, they are eternal. Paul says, hey man, I can deal with whatever I face in this life because I know that all my struggles, no matter how hard, don't begin to hold a candle to the blessings that await me in the life to come. Hmm. He says it in a shorter way in the book of Romans. He says, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. So, I'm done for another week. But let me close by saying this to us. Man, I, I'm praying for all of us to have this perspective. For all of us to be so convinced of and excited for our future glory in Christ that we would be willing to suffer anything with him and for him, for his sake and for ours. If you remember at the beginning of this, uh, we started with this one imperative in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6, that we are to greatly rejoice because joy is who we are. And joy is what we bring to the struggles we face in life. We can, we should, we must rejoice in our trials because they aren't forever, our faith is. We can, we should, and we must rejoice in trials because God uses them to prove and then improve our faith. We can, we should, and we must rejoice in trials because in the end, our perseverance in them pays off with unspeakable, indescribable honors for us and for the ultimate glory of our God. So when it comes down to all of this, my question to you and to me is simple. Will you and I choose joy? Will we wake every day to the new mercies of God and opt for a life marked by rejoicing in what we have in him rather than in a life limited by our dis disappointment in not having more? Will we run to trouble with the confidence that God has allowed uh, us to have in, in knowing that he has uh, 
allowed this trouble, ordained this trouble, and, and promised to use this trouble for our good and for his glory? Or, or will we run from it and to our own devices? Man, what an important question. What really matters in life is that we live in the joy that we've been given in Christ. It's in our recipe. It's who we are. It's what we do, regardless of how we feel or what's going on. So will you and I choose joy today? Man, I pray that we do. And as we sing this song, we sing about a God is the breath in our lungs, a God who uh, is at work even if we don't see it or feel it. He's a God who meets us in our trial, who gives us joy and the strength to face whatever we face. Lift him up in your hearts today as we sing. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop. It's your breath in our lives. So we pour out our praise, pour out our praise. It's your breath in our lives. So we pour out our praise, pour out Father, everything we have is from you, even the breath in our lungs. Uh, everything that happens in life is allowed by you. But I'm grateful, God, that you, you walk with us through everything. You, you, you are always present, always faithful, always able. Your grace is sufficient in every situation. And that's why we can walk in life uh, with this joy that you've equipped us with. We, we can uh, be content and um, okay uh, despite what's going on, despite how we feel, because you're in control. So grant us your grace, God, moving forward today as we await the end of uh, this stay-at-home time, as we venture out into a world with our questions and our fears, as we um, look to you for what we can't provide for ourselves, God, give us joy. Lead us to the ways that we might give and receive, to the ways that we might honor you with uh, the resources you've provided us, to the ways that we might bring you glory as your church uh, by living for what really matters in life and what really matters, as we've said this morning is to live a joy-filled life. Thanks, God. We love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.